The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. I do thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn how to hack our own brains to make it as powerful as it can be. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, March the 18th, and we're broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept call-in questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the March issue of the Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We, again, we do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a printed copy at one of our 270 distribution locations, you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to read both current and past issues of our magazine. You can li- listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. In addition, you can view and download our 2023 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. Speaking of our Senior Resource Directory, of course, it's newly updated and revised, and it's available at many of our 270 distribution locations in printed copies. We have over 20,000 copies distributed. There may be a time when they're not available. They're going to be only put out for one month in the month of March. So hopefully you're going to pick up your printed copy. Again, you can always go online. It contains over 4,000 updated listings of businesses, organizations, government agencies, and departments to help you get that needed information to select product and services, as well as to meet your needs and concerns. Again, if you're unable to find a copy, you can always view it and download it from our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. Our friends at Ernest Arlene's offers the Best of Times special dinner each and every Thursday night from 4.30 p.m. to closing with fabulous meals at highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this particular Thursday night special to make reservations in advance by calling 318 318- 226 Again, that's 318-226-1325. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're with more sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Abers Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel.
Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by AARP Louisiana and Abers, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Caligas. I do thank you for taking time to listen to our show today. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest, is Mr. Dave Farrell, who is a lecturer and author who have asked to come on our, my show today to discuss his newly released self-help book entitled Brain Hacker Master Memory, Focus, Emotions, and More to Release the Genius Within. So thank you, Dave, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Well, thanks for having me. I love the positive uh, vibes you get from this show. Oh, I do get vibes. I, get, I always learn something from my guests, and sometimes when they send their books or they we just talk. But I'm, I forgot to yeah. mention one thing, everyone, in, in his in his intro, and I think it's really impressive. We're, and we, we're going to take time to talk about it, but... Mr. Farrell, Dave Farrell, is a two-time Guinness World Book record for the greatest memory. And I've got to tell everyone, he earned this title by, by being a person that could recall the exact order of 52 decks of shuffled playing cards. Everyone, that's 3,068 cards. Isn't that right? Yeah, you got it perfectly. Thank you. And tell them how many cards you only missed reciting back yeah so so it, it, the record you're only allowed of one half of one percent and you normally you'd say 0.5 percent but that's the way the guinness book says it one half of one percent wrong so it's a, it's a small number like 13 14 and i got uh, one mistake uh, one. It was, uh, it was deck number 17 card number 45 i i said it was a seven of uh, uh clubs when i when i uh when it was a spade so I feel like I should have half marks for that. You know? <laughs> That's right. Well, that was a <laughs> remarkable feat. I'm, I'm so proud. Again, his his book, listeners, is uh, is remarkable. And again, I'm going to mention too. It's called Brain Hacker. It's available at Amazon. It's available from our website. And his website is uh, what's your website? I can't remember. Um, uh, well, you can go to feralmemory.com or you can find the book on Amazon. That's right. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I'm, brain hacker. It's like it's like a life hacker, but for the brain. That's right. That's a good way to say it. And we're going to talk a little bit about it. But again, it's really fascinating. I put um, in, and I had one person. You've been reading the book. You're excited. Oh, yes. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm tell everyone it's remarkable, but it's going to take, you're going to have to read it. I would call it very slowly. He also gives you a technique. And we're going to talk about later that it helped. I'm 73, Dave, and I learned something new that I've never done in 73 years. Well, since I started reading is I'm, I'm a pretty fast reader, but his technique actually, I started using it for the past few days. I mean, more than that, longer, is it actually helped me read faster and more, more focused on the, what I'm reading. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about it later, so I'm, gonna, I'm just using it as a tease. So don't forget to mention that. We'll mention that one, and hopefully they'll learn about the other 500 in your book, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I thought I thought one of those statements uh, that that you made in your book: if you feel like your brain is glitching or working against you, and know that you're not stuck with the brain biology gave to you, an upgrade is possible. Is that true? That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want people to think of their brain a little differently. And, you know, a lot of times we only think of the negative. We only focus on when we forgot something or when we lost something. But we have to realize that the brain is 
you know, it's essentially the most complex structure known to science. It's more complex than anything we know of in the known universe. Like, just let that sink in for a second. There's more connections between the the different parts of our brain than there are stars in the sky, uh, the, the, the visible sky at least. So um, I, had, I had to say that for the trolls out there that want to fact check. But <laughs> the, the thing is that the, the the thing is our brain is is it's really built for uh, and, and really developed for some very specific situations, you know. And usually those situations are what we would normally consider a hunter gatherer type lifestyle, where there's you know plenty of leisure, low stress. And, uh, you know, crises do happen, right? You know, a tiger comes into the village or something. There's obviously dead crises, too, just like we have, you know, crisis like having to pay the rent. But they didn't happen as often, but they were a lot more intense. So uh, one of the things that people learn right off the bat when they start understanding how the brain works is that, when we experience stress and crises, for some reason our brain takes it really seriously, even if it's something that's not that serious, like someone saying something about us on social media, you know? Oh. And the reason for that is, you know, you go back 100,000 years, if there was a crisis, it was life and death. Other than that, it was a kind of boring existence. So you have to have this <laughs> boring existence, you know, per- punctuated with moments of stress, but those stresses are like a bear is trying to eat you or you're going to die. So... So I think that's that's our, our a lot of understanding can come from understanding that the brain is best suited towards an environment that is not a nine to five environment. It's not the cubicle environment. It's not our modern uh, technological environment. So by understanding that we can adapt, we can strategize, we can use some of the advantages that our brain has in different ways, and and uh, and and succeed then. Well, Dave, let me give you another compliment for our readers out there. You know, a lot of people hate to tell their story and share it with the public. I've been advocating for years and years that people need to tell their stories before they pass because most of them have some remarkable family stories, uh, developmental Mm -hmm. stories, and experience in workplace, etc. And he's done this in his book, and I want to compliment you on that. It, It made me feel like I was with you in your early stages stages of development of 10 years old and whatnot. I mean, it moves along everyone. He, he talks well, about you. it and it, and I mean, I'm, you hope you don't mind. Well, just to give people, just to give people some, uh, some comparison here or some context. The, uh, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia when I was a kid. So when they find out I'm in the Guinness book of records, there's this feeling of, uh, oh yeah, you were born that way. You're some sort of savant. And the fact is, it was it was the opposite. I had a terrible memory, so I you know chose to take matters into my own hands to figure it out. And what I figured out worked really well for me and for others. So I couldn't really you know kind of list the techniques in bullet point form or anything like that without saying how they were discovered because necessity is the mother of invention. Sure. You know, you had you had to know that. That I was I was struggling on exams. I was blanking out on exam after exam, and when I figured out a couple of little uh, stress tricks, instantly the information popped into my head. But on top of that, when I started doing really really well in exams, the teachers thought I was cheating because it was like an overnight success. <laughs> I went from the bottom of the class to the top of the class. So then I had to like you know do my tests in another room for 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 quite some time uh you know with my shoes off there was a whole thing about people thought I was doodling on my shoes and that's where the answers were so yeah it's it's really hard to separate these these strategies that have you know done done really well for me and and my students uh, you know worldwide uh and uh and uh you know how the strategies came to being and why and my hope is my goal is somebody reads this 
and they start making brain hacks for themselves. They start thinking, oh, hey, I've got this challenge. How can I think about information differently or how can I, you know, uh, think about how I perceive these situations differently so that I overcome this challenge, you know? The, you know, that's the, but you, I would say, uh, you withstood a lot of negativity, especially in your early ages. And you, you mentioned about the, your teachers and your other people that were around you that were, were seeing, and once you improved, they thought something happened. There was some cheating, and that, which, which, when I kept reading that, I said, golly, you know, don't they want to accept it being something good? Yeah, it's like give a guy a break, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think a lot of people are in that situation where, and, and this is a kind of an overarching thesis of the book, is that there's a certain group of people in this world who think uh, you can't change, right? And there's another group of people who are like, well, heck, man, I want to change because there's something wrong here, you know? They whether whether somebody has, and just think of any issue somebody can have, you know, that really affects your life, whether it's procrastination or anger issues, right? Or you have problems with substances, like, or something as simple as, as just a, you know, a bad habit, like, uh, you know, chewing your nails or something. Like, I, I hate to group all of these things. Some can be pretty extreme and others can be, can be pretty mild, but they all kind of group around the same thing where there's something going on in our brain that we don't have 100% control over. There is a group of people out there who want to believe that, hey, once you are like that, you'll never change. Nothing can happen and 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 doesn't matter what you try. And there's others who have shown that change is possible. They've made change happen in their life. And I'm definitely on the side of the kind of the optimistic person, and I want to give tools to people who do want to improve, you know? Yeah, and it, you made a statement, I think, in your book or while reading that, we waste 40 days of the year compensating our bad memory. I mean, 40 days a year. I mean, that, that's really something. Uh, at least. <laughs> at least that bad. You said at least. On the average. Yeah. I'm sure there's others. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you mentioned insomnia, stress, chronic pain. We're all sitting there. And uh, and you. the other thing I want you to elaborate, because I've seen so many people, both young and old, who have had COVID, and they've already uh, – I had it. I had brain fog for a while, and I still think I, mm-hmm. I get some of it occasionally. And my doctor, and I mean the physicians I deal with, including my sons who are the doctor, said, you know, it's possible. There's not a lot of literature about it, but you know, it's it's we don't know what COVID did a lot to us uh, in the world. But I think it was pretty pretty. I had it three times, and but yeah. it didn't have well, any serious. There's actually some. Uh, there are actually some uh, studies uh, on uh, on that. They're either in process or releasing some of their preliminary results, but you can just take my word for it. You can look this up on PubMed or even just, you know, when they're published in in newsletters and magazines and through Google. Um, And uh, so I I usually try to separate or identify two different types of brain fog. It does appear that for a certain percentage of the population, there is a phenomenon. And this is, this is kind of hard to 100% prove because COVID affected everyone worldwide. So anytime you have those many people experiencing something, <clears throat> it could just be a certain percentage of them are getting brain fog for another reason, and they think it's COVID, you know? So there's always that, oh, yeah. is it causation, or did it cause it, or is it just a coincidence? But aside from that, there appears to be a phenomenon that people are studying that uh, if you've got COVID, that you can have this sort of brain fog. And it's usually uh, shown as, uh, you know, waking up, uh, being forgetful, being absent-minded, having a lack of goals, lack of energy, things like that. And this is separate from the regular brain fog that everybody 
that we know everybody does experience because of the isolation brought on by COVID. True. So the interesting thing is we know for sure that isolation brings brain fog, and it actually affects those who are most vulnerable first. So one of the biggest preventatives for, uh, for mental decline is being social. Uh, you can you can look into all the literature. It's very very conclusive. This is not a controversial statement. Uh, if anybody is experiencing or has in their family history uh, dementia or Alzheimer's, then uh, going out, meeting new people, partaking in social activities, live one on one or in groups, is the best thing you can do for it. And the theory I have for that is that uh, being social, like learning people's names and interacting with people, actually is one of the most difficult mental tasks you can perform. I mean, think about it. It's one of the only things we haven't been able to teach a robot to do yet is hold a conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. we do it effortlessly, right? So so clearly there's a there's a mental benefit towards doing it. And you know, when we're when we're isolated, we stop doing that. So everybody experienced a little bit of brain fog because of that because you didn't get that social interaction. But people who are in high-risk categories uh, you know, they have a family history of Alzheimer's or perhaps, you know, they're, they're you know, early onset or, or they're in the early stages, uh, then it actually becomes quite a slippery slope. So I really want to encourage people to kind of reverse that. Uh, be as social as you can. Meet two new people. If you have somebody in your family or you yourself feel like you're getting a brain fog, one of the best things you can do is to go out to a party, go out to a gathering, meet new people. And, and one of the best ways to do this is actually to pick up a new hobby. So a lot of people are, bo- are are joining sports teams, you know, like a local soccer league and things like that. You interact with people, you get some exercise, and it stimulates your brain as well as your body. Well, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I encourage people for many, many years. Uh, I'm still not retired, but a lot of people are retired and they get bored. And I say, volunteer. There's so many volunteer opportunities, you know, within our cities that uh, they love to have volunteers and you get to meet new people that you've never met before and you're socialized. And, and a lot of them yep. have told me, thank you, Gary, for, for giving that suggestion. My sons and daughters and grandchildren never mentioned it. Now, you know, I'll be in, and I'll picking up a, a new uh, item, a, a musical career or uh, a book reading or uh, a book gathering, book clubs and different clubs in the area. More and more, I, I do agree, socialization is very critical. And definitely, uh, even during COVID, uh, I, we were conversing with various people that were isolated. And we, you know, everybody told you, but you got to do it. I mean, do exercises in your home, you know, walk around the backyard. Uh, you know, it's not going to fly into the backyard. So, uh, I mean, uh, definitely there were things to do. And of course we all did, uh, zoom this and zoom that, but, uh, uh, that, that did improve, but it wasn't as good as being up in front, but I did, I joined zoom calls with people I never knew before. And I got to meet and see their faces and chat and mention their names. And a lot of them have contacted me. So you never know, right? That's fantastic. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's great. Um, and the other thing you can also do is uh, try learning a new skill. Uh, you know, it's never too late to try to pick up a musical instrument or learn a language. Uh, and one of the, you know, one of the biggest difficulties for this is just making a living. Everybody's, you know, trying to, you know, make a buck and, and go to work and everything. And they're kind of exhausted from that. So they don't have the mental effort. You know, they probably listen to my voice and go, oh, yeah, another thing that I have to do to keep my brain, you know, on top. But the, the simple fact is that, you know, if you're thinking that way, then you're adding more stress to your brain. And stress is, I gotta stress this, <laughs> pardon the pun, um, stress is your reaction 
to these situations. It's not the situation itself. Yes, a lot of people are stressed out because of money. Goodness knows I've been there too. Everybody's been there. A lot of people are stressed out because of the economy, because of a lot of circumstances. And that's a part, that's a brain hack as well in the book. Uh, but I'll give you some tips right now. Understanding that stress is your response to it makes a world of difference. And you are in control of your response. You are, believe it or not, you might not think you are because the reaction happens so quickly. But one of the things you can do is you can take control of your breathing, you can take control of how you think about the situation, and you can lower your energy level, you can lower your stress level simply by slower, lowering your breathing. That lowers your heart rate. And then think about the situation and try to think logically about what's the next solution. That's really all that you can do. And a lot of times we're overwhelmed with all these emotions and all these regrets and things like that. And, and you know, if, if we can just pause and realize that our our brain is, a, is is the most powerful machine, but it's imperfect and it's handling the most difficult challenge ever that, that one could possibly imagine. It's handling life itself. You know, how do you navigate through this world and, and have a good life? So this challenge, of course, is going to cause stress and anxiety and everything. So... You know, one of the things that I notice from my students this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but one thing I notice from them the most is that they beat themselves up so much for having stress. And that only makes the stress worse. You know, yep. there's an old uh, Jungian idea that you have to embrace your shadow, you know, and, and people usually think that's oh, the evil side of you, you know, your dark desires or something. But I think it's bigger than that. I think that we have to stop beating ourselves up for every little thing that we do, and we have to accept that, yeah, I'm an imperfect, flawed human being. I get stressed out. I get worried. I get all these things. Let's just accept things the way they are. And now what steps do we take? Where, where do we go from here? What's the next move? And then once you start thinking that way, you're thinking practically and you're getting out of this sort of self-defeatist mentality. And that's, man, that's the first step to really having the life that you want. Well, let's hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're more sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by AARP Louisiana and Abears Tending Country F Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Caligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a very special guest. It's Mr. Dave Farrell, a lecturer, author, who I've asked to come on my show to discuss his newly released self-help book entitled Brain Hacker. Master memory, focus, emotions, and more to release the genius within. And furthermore, Dave is a two-time Guinness World Record holder for the greatest memory. So thank you, Dave, for joining us today. Pleasure to be here. Well, let's let's continue our discussion. But first of all, I think everybody's going to – boy, it seemed like to me you you had all this information in to, to write this book, and you've written a, pre- a previous book. It was an interesting challenge, wasn't it? Oh, writing a book? Oh, it is um – it, it is the the weirdest thing. It is like uh, I, I got to say, it's like it's like playing tennis 
with an opponent for hours and hours and hours for a whole year and the ball never comes back. Like you're just <laughs> shooting this stuff out, hoping that you're hitting the mark, you know, and you only find out after it's published. So uh, people seem to like it a lot, so I feel I feel better about that. Well, it, it's great, but I'm sure it went back and forth. It took you a little while. You probably had more substance in there, more detail before, and your editors and their proofers probably said you have to par this down a little bit because it, it, it is detailed. But I have a I have a feeling based upon my discussions with you today, it was probably pretty pretty had a lot more verbiage in there. Is that true? Well, what I, what I was trying to do is I, I I'm a big believer that um, you know, I didn't want to bring something up to the world unless I had I had some real new information. You know, I didn't want to just rehash something else or just write a book for a book's sake. So I actually have taken you know quite a bit of time off from the whole memory business, if you will. I, I, I still speak and, and lecture and everything, but um, I was focusing on my uh, my agency. I run a PR firm here in Buffalo, New York. Great uh, city, and, by the way. I've been there yeah, several times. I've been there many times. Uh, we'll talk off the side about I've been there many times. I've got a lot of good friends. A good friend of mine passed away a few years ago. But I used to go up there quite a bit. Great city. Have a lot of similarities in my little city, Shreveport, Louisiana. And, and, uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love the Buffalo, show. but I've uh, been there and loved, and I love the, um, uh, the, 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 I'm trying to think, the Buffalo uh, Wings, and I've also been to the Buffalo Bills games, several of them when I've been up there, so uh, it's <laughs> good, been, interesting. Oh, okay, going well, back, people are going to say, yeah, well, Gary, what are you checking about? We, we know about yeah, Buffalo. No, I, I'm doing, uh, Buffalo's great. No, I'm doing, uh, well, and also Tesla, uh, as the Tesla Motors is named after Nikolai Tesla right. you know, lived here. And, yes. and Buffalo was the first city that had electricity. People True. often don't realize that. You know, it was famous back in the day of, of Tesla's time. Um, and I love that history. Uh, so, but the thing is, I, I, you know, we're doing, we're doing PR and a lot of it's for authors. We launch a lot of authors' books, um, you know, and, and a few authors are coming up to me going, hey, Dave, when are you going to, you know, write your book? And I realized that I did have something very powerful to say. And, you know, it really does come down to that uh, that situation that I was in where, you know, I was ADHD and dyslexic and I was looking at the rest of my life going, what the heck am I going to do with this? You know, how am I going to overcome this? And at the time, the, the tools were not really there. It was very controversial, the medicating, the diagnoses. Today, things are a bit more sophisticated. Uh, but I still have to say that I, I think there's there's a long way that we can go. Um, I came up with some strategies and techniques to overcome ADHD. They worked as great study skills for uh, for uh, students, uh, doubling and tripling their uh, their recall during uh, exams, and that's kind of what made me famous in the beginning. Um, sold over a hundred thousand copies in my first you know course doing that. Uh, but now I think it's kind of um, you know, we kind of come full circle where I can show all the strategies, but I also want to share with people that they are more powerful than they think. You know, they're be, they should go beyond their diagnoses. You know, they should, they should really, you know, there's so many people with ADHD and dyslexia, for example, that have accomplished so much in life, you know, uh, and the more we're learning about these, you know, so-called disorders, the more we're realizing that these are really kind of a spectrum of, of ways to think. And, you know, the future is really open to people who can think in different ways. There's no coincidence, I think, that a lot of people with ADD have been incredibly successful, although the majority uh, have not. The majority do suffer. Um, and I think that comes from the fact that if we don't intervene, if we don't actually live life on purpose and try to strategize about our life, if we just kind of let it happen to us or do what we feel like, then, you know, life's going to kind of 
slap you upside the head. You know, life life is going to hit you hard, as they say. You know, um, so I think it's really important that we, you know, we we live life on purpose. We live life consciously, and we decide what do we want from it, not what other other people want for us, but what do we want for it. And yeah, all that negativity that I got, I think that's the lesson that I learned from it is is not to seek those answers outside, to really go inside and say, what what do I really want from this? And in in my case, I guess I wanted to um, I, I wanted to fix my brain. I wanted to you know think clearer and get really good at memory techniques. And I got so good that I wanted to be the best in the world. I wanted to get in the Guinness Book of Records. And when I knew that I wanted that, then it just became a journey of strategizing and getting there. And then taking the next step and taking the next step and taking the next step. And now I, 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 run, a, I run a few companies. I'm doing pretty well for myself. Uh, but I feel like it all kind of started with that, that decision of, no, I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to really think about my long-term future. And I'm going to be ambitious and try to be better every day than I was before. Have you seen, do you think more people do that today, have long-term forecasting, or they're just worrying about, today and maybe tomorrow but never about the future some of the young, think, some of the young people i've talked with lately don't think anything about the future i mean it's sad you're absolutely right it's uh, hey people of all ages i'd say and I, I i do think that it is kind of a an ideology i think we get in waves as people where we get very optimistic you know i grew up in the 90s that was a very optimistic time you know the 80s and 90s you know and then the 2000s were a very let's call them depressing times where people think there's no future and i think the media plays a role in this as you probably know and and you know culture in general um but i think there's always that voice that is in there that says no you know we we're not we're not what our stars made us. We're human beings. We can choose to go in a different direction. We can you know, pack our bags and go to another city and start a new life and make, make of it what we want. And the people who do take those chances, I think they're still in the minority, but you know, I'm betting on them. Uh, if I was a betting man, you know, I think they're going to surprise people. Um, now, this is different from saying, hey, just do whatever you want, like, you know, like, 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 like the, you know, some... Some someone on Doctor Phil will go, hey, I do what I want. You know, I'm That's not it. talking about that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, really discover what it is you want out of life. What is what is your passion? What is your drive? What is your what is your duty? What is your dharma? And then, you know, then go after it with all that you have. You know, and I I, I really believe in what the the ancient Greeks would say is that you know the the two things you can never know too much about the world uh, about are the world and yourself. And I think we miss out on the understanding ourselves part. We just try to understand the world, and we just try to go out and be all externally focused. And I, I'm hoping this book is a chance for people to turn inside and see an entire world of possibilities, you know, whether it's a hack for sleep, like you said, or a hack to get rid of cravings if you're trying to stick to a diet, to a hack to not bite your fingernails, all the way to, you know, drugs and alcohol, and all the way to, you know, memory techniques and, and uh, speed reading and things like that. And there's this entire world inside of us, and I think it's much bigger than this book. But I'm hoping that this will inspire people to, to look inside for answers to some of the challenges they're facing. Well, one thing I want to comment, I'm, I'm going off the, off the tangent, there's just so many things that you mentioned in here that I, I, I feel that more and more people need to realize. Uh, I know young people and others have go continuously sometime to get higher education, and to supposedly improve their IQs and their intelligence so they can be better. But you mentioned several places in the book that 
a lot of employers now are not worrying about all these credentials. They're worrying about the hard knocks, whether you have uh, the skills based upon various testing. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, one of the things I mentioned in the book is how uh, this was a number of years ago they looked into it. So I'm not, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure how uh, uh, the pandemic has changed things, perhaps. But uh, the standard way, and this is from friends of mine in, in Silicon Valley as well as this has been published about, so I'm not giving away any secrets here. Uh, the standard way that Google and Facebook uh, for quite some time were hiring programmers, at least, um, they basically gave up all the education requirements because they kept on finding people who were self-taught that were so much farther ahead than the people who had gone to school for computer science. True. Uh, and this is not any diss on people going to school for computer science. If anything, it's, it's, it should be flattering to some people who are self-taught. There are just some people who, you know, can go on YouTube and, you know, people don't realize uh, Harvard has uh, many of their courses just available online. You can just audit a course. You don't get a credit for it, but you can learn everything. And we've never been at a place in society where we've had such access to learning. So, yeah, what they do is they uh, they have a, a kind of a day-long grueling test where they start with a room. I saw this one time. Start with a room of like, you know, 200, 300 programmers. They put a problem up on the board. Everybody who solves it goes to the next round. And then they do another more difficult problem. Everybody who solves it goes to the next round. And they're, they dwindle it down until they have, you know, five or ten people that they're going to consider hiring. Uh, and that was that was Google and Facebook's approach to it. I'm sure you know Tesla and SpaceX have something similar. And you know, so a lot of these innovative companies they're looking for different ways to judge performance. And yeah, the the traditional markers for academic performance don't mean as much. Uh, but that doesn't mean that if anything, that's that's an attempt to try to make something closer to a meritocracy. Right. You know, um, we we don't want to live in a world where. Everybody who gets the job is just good at test-taking in a classroom. You know, there's many different aspects to a real job. So, right. yeah, the argument I was making there was that the jobs of the future are changing so that they are not as purely academic. I mean, the biggest change right now probably in the future will be a lot of jobs will be what, what's called AI-assisted. Uh, we do this in my PR firm where we actually do marketing with the help of an AI, you know, that crunches some of the numbers and does some of the stuff that, that we can't do, does it a lot faster than us. And then we'll jump in and, and edit some things or tweak some things and then, you know, launch some marketing. So um, that's something that nobody could have even predicted 10 years ago. And if somebody got a marketing degree from, you know, from a college five years ago, it <laughs> they wouldn't didn't even teach mentioned that. AI. Right. Oh yes, AI is affecting us all, and we don't know about it. I had a guest on the show a few weeks ago talking about it's amazing how it's going to be in the in now and in the future. It's 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 going exponentially. Uh, okay, yeah, I just I just hired somebody in my company, and one of the main reasons why I hired him is because he 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 show he demonstrated the ability to teach himself new skills. You know. Yeah. Okay. Let's. I know my listeners out there, Gary, one of you is going to give us a couple of simple hacks that will help us here. Um, my producer says we need to take a quick break right now, everyone. I'm sorry, but we'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tilling Country Report, Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 